0: hello everyone and welcome back to the revival carriers podcast i am so excited this is our first episode like i i uh I've been dreaming about doing this for such a long time. I've been talking to my wife for, it's probably been several months now saying, you know, I'm thinking about doing a podcast because whenever I I teach in a lot of mission schools and I preach in churches and I always like to infuse a little bit of church history into it. Whenever I do, I I often do one week long uh, missions kind of uh, we call it frontier missions overview or uh, just just missions in general. And I'll teach for a week on all these different missionary movements and all of these statistics and maps. And I always like to take a full day where I just teach on church history. And I usually will go through the apostles all the way up through modern day missionary movements. And I I only get to take like 15-20 minutes on different men and women of God throughout history and I always feel like unfulfilled at the end of it. At the, I I, just, I know it probably drives the people who invite me back every time crazy because I'm always saying, man, I wish I could do a whole week on just missions because it really, I'm sorry, on, on church history because it really is just a passion of mine. I love church history. I love looking at people who have done great things for God in, ex- in extraordinary circumstances and have often been forgotten by the church. And so I hope, I hope you listen to my introduction to kind of uh, hear my heart on this podcast a little bit more. I know for me, I often skip the introductions, but if you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, then I would ask that you go back and listen first. It's only about 15 minutes long and kind of explains where we're going with this podcast today. I'm excited. We're going to be listening. We're going to be talking about St. Patrick and you know saint patrick is such an interesting guy because most people only know about patrick because of you know what they call saint patty's day and they there's even a saint patty's day parade and everyone wears green if for whatever reason which i have no idea if you don't wear green people pinch you which i just it just drives me nuts and I don't like getting pinched, guys. So it's just not fun. <laughs> and uh, the you know the what I guess all the bars make green beer. I don't I don't drink, so I don't know. But uh, that's what Saint Patrick is mostly known for. In the Catholic Church, he's they they call him a saint, and they have all these pictures of you know they have these stained glass things of him windows and paintings and all these kinds of things and if you've if you've ever looked him up on the internet i'm sure you've seen the different images that they are they're usually really really like super spiritual looking and he's floating with like a golden halo around his head and a lot of a lot of those catholic images show these I guess, hyper-spiritualized or hyper-religious images of these men and women of God throughout history. And, And again, I hope you listen to the introduction so that you understand that I'm not promoting like Catholicism or saint worship or anything like that. These are just like biographies of many people who have their story has been twisted, they have been idolized, they have been forgotten by the evangelical church and just simply because of the context where they lived uh, at the time they lived and because their names were hijacked by the catholic church and they were idol they were turned into idols and so we just completely ignore their stories. Uh, entirely, when in reality they have so they they did so many amazing things for God and are such great examples, and their love for Jesus just really is absolutely—it's just inspiring. And so I, I start with Saint Patrick to be honest, because I already had all of the notes for Saint Patrick, and this is one of those cases where I had been talking to my wife, as I said, about doing a podcast for so long, and literally today we We just finished a three week excursion across the states. Uh, we went to North Carolina and then we went down to Texas and then we drove back here to Pennsylvania, where I am right now. Uh, this is where our missionary organization found ministries is is based and we have our mission school here and we're kind of on a we're in between schools. We just finished our first uh, full school where we had seven students, six students, sorry, graduate and uh through their missionary training and our next one is going to be in March. And so we have kind of with the pandemic going on and everything, there's so we're so limited in what we were, we can do and so I was here uh, driving back talking to my wife yesterday. We drove from uh where did we drive from? I'm trying to remember. We were in Ohio yesterday. And we drove from Ohio back to here. I often travel and I uh because I've been in ministry for so long, I I will speak in churches and I I go I go um visit other ministers and just do things, you know, it's just ministries, which it's what we do. We travel a lot and we drive usually tens of thousands of miles a year across the States. And so I was, I was talking to my wife. I was like, man, we're going to be back in Pennsylvania and things are starting to close down again. What? I'm not really sure. Uh, we're so limited in what we, what we can do. What should, what do you think? And so we talked about it and she was like, well, you know, maybe you should do that podcast that you've been talking about, And I I was sitting there and it's one of those cases of like, you know, time, time is such precious real estate. And whenever you do something like this, like a podcast that, you know, is going to take several hours of preparation and several hours to record and to edit and to do all the things that you got to do to make something that's high quality. Yeah, that's why it took me so long to finally sit down and do this and I thought, you know what, you're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm just I'm just gonna jump in. I'm gonna see where this goes. I mean, I may only have like one listener. It might be my mom. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but I I personally love I love it. I love history. And so I, I had these notes already that I've been teaching in my mission schools for for so many years now and I thought, you know, Saint Patrick, I have I already have a pretty solid foundation on him, so I may as well Uh, Get started on this podcast with with uh, with Saint Patrick, and then I don't know what's going to happen. I think next I'm going to do John Welch. If you do listen to this, if you're one of my ones of listeners that I expect to have, and there's someone that you're really fascinated by or someone you've heard about that you'd like me to talk about, just let me know, and uh, I'll look into it. I, I really I like the big name guys, you know, but I also like lesser known people. Uh, I really want to do something on EM Bounds and and some different people. Anyway, I don't want to ramble on about that. I want to get into St. Patrick here. Honestly, without having students present that this is what I'm I'm kind of nervous about how long this is going to be because I'm so used to students raising their hands and asking questions and talking about things that I, I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to be. It could be really short or I might ramble too much and I might go on too long. I don't know. So I just want to jump into it. This will give me a good baseline to know exactly how many notes, how, how much detail I need for future podcasts. And uh, yeah, so here we go, guys. So St. Patrick – uh He was canonized as a Catholic saint, but the truth is yeah, he was so he was born roughly in the year three hundred and eighty seven and so he uh I, okay let me just let me just try kind of reverse here okay he was born in three hundred and eighty seven roughly and he died March seventeenth in the year four hundred and ninety three so the reason I give you those dates you have to understand i mean The church, Jesus had died, I I know it's a long time, but it was what 350, math is not my strong suit, so you guys will hear me throw out lots of numbers, fast math, that's probably not going to be very accurate, so just give grace to me on that. But what, roughly 350 years before that, Jesus had died, and then there was... uh, The apostles were around and writing and for for the next several decades. And then the apostles died. All of them, except for John, were martyred because of the severe persecution that was going on. Uh, Rome was still the world power, but uh, there was just chaos in the world, right? Because remember that Jesus gave the prophecy whenever he stood in front of the temple and I can't remember the exact uh, um, verse right now. I, I should pro- I probably lo- should have looked it up. This just sort of popped in my mind right now. But Jesus was standing in front of the temple and he prophesied and told the apostles, that or the disciples, that there wouldn't be one stone left on another of the temple. And of course, he was prophesying about the fall of Rome itself. And so whenever Rome... Uh, Rome was severely attacked and beaten down. And this isn't history of Rome, so I'm not going to go into all the details of that. But basically, when Patrick was born in the year 387, roughly, uh, Rome had pretty much collapsed by then. Because the Roman Empire really started to decline around the year 200 A.D., and just continued to struggle and struggle. It was so big and there was so much stuff going on in that in that nation that it couldn't contain itself. And it basically collapsed on itself in the year 476 AD. Rome completely was like, it was no longer the Rome. Like it finally fell as a world power in 476. So remember... Patrick was born in 387, and he died in 493. So if Rome was ultimately at its greatest struggle point in the year 400 AD, that means that Patrick was just a young man, a very young man, whenever Rome was starting to collapse. And he would have actually been alive as an older man when the whole, when the city of Rome itself finally fell and the nation as a world power collapsed. So you can imagine that uh, Patrick, who was a British man, he actually wasn't Irish. A lot of people think of him as an Irishman because he uh, ministered in Ireland, but he was actually British. He was from England or English, whatever you want to say. He was actually an English man. And we'll talk more about that here in a little bit, but uh, you can. He was really close. All these things that were happening in Rome, all of the, which was the world power. It was the United States of its day. It was going through this turmoil, and Patrick lived through the, these wars, through this violence, through the incredible persecution against the church that was happening at that time. And you also have to take into account that uh, Patrick whenever he was born, the the bible as we know it the the complete canonized bible was just being compiled see what happened was whenever the apostles they wrote their letters whenever the new testament was written there was extreme persecution against the church and so the church at that time what they did was they would just make handwritten copies of the new testament books of the the bible the epistles as we call them uh well the epistles the the, the letters the, the the new testament uh, books in and of themselves, they would just do handwritten copies of them, and send just a single copy. Like they would just send the Book of Romans or Ephesians, they would send those to churches, and they would just get that one book, and they would read it, and then they would copy it, and they would send it on to somebody else. That was that was what happened because of the persecution. As a matter of fact, even today, in some persecuted nations, particularly in North Africa, I've heard about this quite a bit where the persecution is so severe and Bibles are illegal because Bibles are illegal in many nations around the world. What they have to do is an entire church will only have one Bible amongst them and they'll actually cut out the the individual books, sometimes individual pages because they have so many people, the churches are growing so fast that, that the people will get one page and they'll have to, they'll get the page for like a week, they get to read it. And then whenever they come together again, they all exchange pages. And so the, the the early new testament church didn't have the full scripture and patrick in his day because they didn't have like the gutenberg press they weren't everything had to be copied by hand there was no way to mass produce so he would not have had a full bible probably ever he may have seen a copy in a catholic church he may have seen one and been able to read but he he surely almost certainly did not possess a bible so you can understand, give him a little bit of grace and some of his beliefs, and uh, probably some of his messages. We're not, and we're not going to read all of his. Me- we're not going to read his messages here. We're going to read a little bit from a letter from him. But we're not going to go in these um, older, older saints. Sometimes it's hard to get really solid information on them. But but you got to understand that. Uh, Really, it wasn't so. In the year 140 AD, there was a man named Marcion, and he was the first person to put together a list of what he considered to be the New Testament. And as it was actually completely rejected, and he was branded as a heretic by the church at that point. Uh, but... It definitely was proof, like it was accepted by a lot of people, and it was proof that the church really needed a solid uh, group, a, a, they needed scripture. They needed something Holy Spirit breathed because there was all kinds of, there, there were so many different people that were writing books and saying that they were God inspired and things like, uh, just off the top of my head there, there were all kinds of, like the copy of the book of Enoch that people read now. It isn't the same as the original book of Enoch that is mentioned in the book of Jude. There, there were, um, I I, I can't just remember it off the top of my head but there there were all kinds of books and there were all kinds of false doctrines like Gnosticism and this concept that anything in the flesh is evil and therefore Jesus could not have been flesh because flesh itself is evil and you couldn't have Jesus was perfect and so uh, or this concept that there were these mystic secrets that only a certain few special people would know so there was all kinds of heretical things that were being taught in the church and so there was this massive need for scripture to be put together in a way that was like okay this is the ultimate this is the word of god this is the infallible perfect word of god and that's when uh, the the church leaders of the time in the mid 300s they started to come together and in the year 332 AD in Rome in the in what's called the the Damascene or or Damascene council in Rome, they, they really put together the 27 books that are present in what we have in the new Testament now. And it wasn't why it wasn't completely accepted at first, because remember there was so much false doctrine going around. A lot of people were, you know, they had Mary, the song, the the book of Mary's song and all these things, and they considered that to be scripture. So it wasn't until really the third council of Carthage in the year 397 AD that, the church leaders across denominations, which back then, when I say denominations, they were more schools of thought, schools of... It was different. It wasn't like the the splintering of denominations that we have now. It was more, the church was one church, but they had different thought, things that they accepted as scripture and things that they didn't. But, it, but in 397, they completely like came together and said, okay, this is the Bible. And they had their qualifications. They had the reasons why those books were picked. Uh, It's largely because they were, uh, they were picked because they were written by apostles that like, that's just, uh, they were written by apostles or disciples of apostles. And there were all kinds of qualifiers. And uh, that's how we have this infallible word of God that we have now. And we need it. We need scripture as it is right now, because even today in the church today, people are trying to bring in all kinds of new teachings, all kinds of things that they they call progressive. But the truth is, is they're really just returning to what the church is what they're returning to what was happening before scripture was brought was canonized in the way it is today just sort of uh, creating scripture that fits or not even scripture they're creating beliefs that fit with what they want to believe rather than what scripture says and so that was why there was that need for that so so patrick i say that because patrick was alive in this time when all of these things were happening Right? Patrick was 10 years old when the third council of Carthage happened in 397. Oh, he was only 10 whenever scripture was fully canonized. Can you imagine being a 10-year-old and there had been no Bibles up until your time? Your family wouldn't have grown up in church. Your family would have never even seen scripture. Maybe a letter, which was probably in the hands of some bishop or pastor somewhere. They, They weren't called pastors back then, but deacons or elders or something. There would have been somebody, like one leader in a church who had one copy of a letter and he would read it out loud to everybody in church. So you would have never even seen it. Patrick, chances are, never saw a full Bible in his entire life. So St. Patrick, now, like I said, he, most people think he was Irish. He was actually British. And the reason he is so associated with Ireland is because whenever he was 16 years old, so think about this, he was only 10 whenever the Bible came to be, as we know it today, the canonized Bible. That's what we call it. He was 10 years old when the Bible was canonized, like the final canonization happened. And then so only six years later, he was actually captured by Irish pirates. Can you imagine that? Like, He's a 16-year-old boy in Britain, and there was so much war and chaos happening that pirates and raiders came and they kidnapped him and took him as a slave to Ireland. And he actually lived there in Ireland for six years. And I don't I don't have all the details, we're not quite sure how this happened. There may be some uh, theories somewhere, I'm sure there are somewhere out there, but basically after six years of being in slavery, he managed to escape. And after he escaped, he returned back to England, to Britain, And uh, to his family. And it was interesting because he had spent all of those years. And as far as we know, there isn't a lot of detail on his youth. So we don't know really if he was a believer, uh, if he believed in, I'm sure he believed in God. I'm sure he was probably considered a Catholic, but we don't really know. Uh, Of course, Catholic back then, it it was a different meaning that those doctrines were just being kind of created. So Patrick, he, uh, after returning to, uh, to Britain, he went to church. And so we don't really know what he believed, but we know that he went to church. He had been there. He was a young man. He was in his 20s at this point. And he said that whenever he was in church, he had a vision. And in that vision, he said this. I mean, I'm going to read a direct quote from one of his letters. He said, I saw a man coming as it were from Ireland. His name was Victorious and he carried many letters and he gave me one of them. I read the heading, the voice of the Irish. As I began the letter, I imagined in that moment. Now, whenever he said, I imagined, this is actually like a vision within a vision that happened. Uh, If you've had a vision before, you kind of, you know what I mean? He says, I imagined in that moment that I heard the voice of those very people who were near the wood of Folklet, which is beside the Western Sea. And they cried out as with one voice, We appeal to you, holy servant boy, to come and walk among us. So he had this encounter, he had this vision where God gave him a Macedonian call, right? We know in in the book of Acts, the apostles, they were planning on going to a certain place to preach the gospel, but they had a vision and a man from Macedonia called them and asked them to go to Macedonia. So this is what happened to uh, to Patrick. He has this vision of the people of Fokleth and by the western sea and they say please come and walk among us or come minister to us and that moment rocked his life it changed everything for him so he actually became ordained he went through the the priesthood he went through everything he had to do to become ordained as a bishop because you have to remember back then it wasn't like today where you could just hop on a plane as a young person and go be a missionary somewhere uh, or go do a six-month school with a missionary organization like ours and then just go be a missionary. There was so much red tape and on top of that, you only had one option and it was the Catholic Church. It's not like today where you could choose between found ministries or YWAM or Operation Mobilization or New Tribes or Wycliffe. There are all these options to choose from for people to go be missionaries, but that wasn't the case. The only way to do it was to go as a bishop for the Catholic Church. So he went he went through all the training, became an ordained bishop, and then uh, he went back to Ireland as an ordained as an ordained minister. And he had an amazing ministry, just absolutely awesome. He he was so powerful that he baptized thousands of people, and he was so famous and so important. There were so many miracles that happened around him that were so powerful uh for example one of the most famous ones that he's known for is Ireland was infested with deadly snakes and by prayer he drove them all off if you look online you'll see some paintings where uh you can actually see Patrick driving these snakes into the the lake or the ocean or whatever it was and uh, into the ocean and uh, it's funny to me because non-believers, they will come and they say, well, that's that's uh, ridiculous. There are no snakes on Ireland because Ireland, as an entire island, as a nation, the nothing there is conducive to snakes. Snakes can't even live on the island, and so there's no way there was an infestation of snakes, and I find that funny because my response to that is, well, all that means is that the prayer... The answer to, to Patrick's prayer was so powerful that it literally changed the ecosystem of Ireland. Just like whenever Gideon prayed and the sun stood still. The sun can't stand still. That's impossible because the earth goes like, uh, that's just not possible, right? And so uh, we, but God is so powerful that he can do anything. So he can change the ecosystem of Ireland and drive off. Uh, poisonous snakes. And that's exactly what he did. And uh, so, so Patrick, he did all of these amazing miracles. And uh, there were in Ireland at that point, there were lots and lots of Kings. There were multiple Kings because it was more tribal back then. There was the Druidic religion that worshiped uh, nature. If you, if you're someone who's played video games, particularly like role-playing games, there's usually Druids and they do like nature magic and that's that. Actually, came from the Druids, uh, the Druidic religion that Saint Patrick actually confronted. That was the main religion he confronted his entire ministry, and so. He was so important that kings and these leaders were often trying to bribe him and send him gifts to try and take their side because of uh, conflicts between I- the Irish kings and all these things. And uh, he never accepted any of these bribes. He never, as far as we know, uh, didn't succumb to any of that. And so um, he he was just a man of God. And. You know, Patrick, he he evangelized the entire nation of Ireland in his life, and to to, to this day, now the the uh, <coughs> excuse me the the Christianity that we see in Ireland today, a lot of it is really violent, and there's there's been a lot of terrible things that that have been going on there, a lot of war. But the root of that comes from Patrick's ministry on that island. And what's also fascinating is that God used Patrick during his ministry to almost completely eradicate the Druidic religion. That entire religion was pretty much wiped out. And a lot of missionaries, like, that's the dream, right? And I know this is controversial because a lot of people, they they believe that tribes should just be left alone, and all this kind of stuff. But as missionaries, we want to take the kingdom of God into a tribe and into a nation and see a nation transformed. And Patrick did that. He brought the word of God into this nation of Ireland and the entire majority religion was pretty much wiped out and what wasn't wiped out during his lifetime was wiped out by his by Patrick's disciples after he died and to this day druidism is a dead religion uh, well there there is a religion called neo druidism that has started to emerge in Europe but it's just like a little splinter religion the, what the the true thing i mean it's so wiped out that most people don't actually know what the druids believe they have some some of the gods they worship they know some things but the, it's definitely not a, a a full-blown religion it's not quite as understanding but um I, th- there are some reasons why it wasn't just that he was an eloquent speaker a lot a lot of people think that uh a lot of people think that ministry is all about being well-educated and being eloquent and being able to do all these things. But the truth is real revival, real power, people who carry revival in their lives. It actually doesn't come from great eloquent theology. Theology is important, of course, but far more important is relationship with God, relationship with the Holy spirit and the power of God that backs you up. Because if I can tell you from personal experience, I am not, as you can hear on this podcast, I'm not a super eloquent guy and I have not, I don't have a master's degree or any of those fancy titles or anything like that, but I do love Jesus and I do spend a lot of time in prayer and it's amazing how if you spend time in prayer with just with the Holy Spirit just soaking in His presence, it's incredible how when you get up to preach the gospel or share with a friend the words you speak actually are not as important as the prayer behind them. And the Holy Spirit will change lives and make people, bring people into to engage with you, even if your words are not perfect because of prayer soaking in to what you're doing. And so Patrick was a man of prayer and he had so many miracles that happened. Uh, for example, uh During one of his uh, if you look at some pictures of him, some paintings online you'll you'll find oftentimes you'll see paintings of him uh, standing in a field somewhere and he'll have his staff in his hand uh, sometimes it's stuck on the ground, and there will be flowers coming out of it and uh now there there's two stories behind that. One is they said that Patrick whenever he preached, one of the miracles that would happen. Uh, whenever he preached was that he would stick his staff in the ground and flowers would bud. He had this staff made from an ash branch, a branch from an ash tree. And they said that it would sprout, it would bud flowers while he preached, and that was like a supernatural thing. Now, some people say it was like a, uh, it's more of a joke because Patrick was so long-winded that he could st- put his, his staff in the ground and he would talk so long that it would take root and uh, bud flowers. But it could be either one. But the, the the fact of the matter is, he had so many incredible miracles happen around him, like the snakes being, being uh, driven out, and their. Uh, main religion being wiped out and and i'm about to share another one with you here that uh i like to think the flowers were blooming but you know i can't prove it so you can kind of draw your own conclusion conclusion there but i want to share a story here really the moment that changed patrick's ministry and changed ireland forever and uh there there was a festival that happened called beltine and it was this big big uh, feast that the druidic kings and priests would have on top of this hill called slain and they would go up there on this one particular feast day and create make this giant bonfire and worship of their gods and then they would have this big feast patrick being who he was, being the bold man of God that he was, he saw this as a great evangelism opportunity. And so he didn't go out and just like hand out tracks. You know, he didn't go, go whenever all the priests and, and the Kings were feasting and hand out tracts or pray for people or that kind of stuff. You could do that too, but that's not what he did. What he did was he woke up earlier than everybody else. And he marched out to the hill slain the mountain. And he actually made his own bonfire, in worship to Jesus and in defiance of all the kings and their false gods. Now, remember, this is a true story. Like, this is a real guy. Patrick was a real guy. He wasn't – that's the hard thing about talking about some of these uh, older, like, saints, like, especially people who were hijacked by the Catholic Church and they've been deemed saints and they've been worshiped is they've been so idolized and they've been so, I mean, they just, they don't look like even real people because they're always floating and all this, have these crazy halos and little baby, fat baby angels floating around them that we forget that they were real human beings. I can only imagine how the adrenaline must've been pumping. I know for me, my heart would be racing when I lit that fire and maybe he wasn't, maybe he was a complete piece, but he was a human being. So I imagine there's some adrenaline pumping whenever he started doing that. So needless to say that the king and I'm, here's the deal. I don't know how to say his name. It's really hard to say. It looks like it should be pronounced leg hair, but the, which sounds hilarious, uh, but it's probably more like leg higher. So just forgive me on that. If you know how it was actually pronounced, but the king he was, he heard about this. He was, who knows? I don't know if he was sleeping or whatever he was doing, but the druidic priests came running in and they say, Hey, somebody started a fire in honor uh, before you even got there before. And so he was furious. And as he was going, he realized that. Uh, It was Patrick. He was told that it was this uh, because Patrick was famous. He was he was still being persecuted at that time. And I shouldn't say persecuted. That's the wrong word. He was being people were still trying to bribe him and win his favor. And he was trying to convert all of them and they weren't being converted. So they uh, these druidic priests and the king and these soldiers, they they climbed up that hill and planned on killing Patrick for what he had done. They were going to martyr him. And I want to read this excerpt from you. This is from the book, Jesus Freaks Revolutionaries. If you haven't read it, I really, really recommend that you read this book. Uh, It has this excerpt that I'm about to read from, they have a whole chapter on St. Patrick. And so I'm going to read this from that book. So I really recommend you buy it and and read it yourself. But it says this, when the chariots arrived, so these these are the people who are coming to kill Patrick, the king and the, the druids, Patrick was summoned before the king. The king ordered Patrick's bonfire extinguished, but no matter what his soldiers did, the fire refused to be put out. Think about that for a minute. Uh, you, you don't just skim over that. The king ordered that the bonfire be put out and all these soldiers run over and they're trying to put it out, but the power of God was so strongly on that fire that it wouldn't even be put out. Can you imagine what that, what that must have looked like, how those soldiers must have felt, what was going through their head? Patrick... Going back to the book, Patrick gave a bold testament for Jesus before them and refused to be silent. So they're trying to put out the fire and screaming at him and Patrick is just preaching the gospel to them. When Leghire commanded his soldiers to execute Patrick to silence him, confusion descended on them and they attacked one another. So a spirit of confusion, which is scriptural, came on these soldiers and they started fighting each other. When the two Druid priests turned their vehemence on Patrick and Jesus' name, one fell and cracked his head on a rock, while the other somehow fell into fire and perished. One version even records that when the king himself pulled his sword to slay Patrick, his arm froze as stiff as a statue and stayed that way until he knelt and surrender to Patrick. So you, I, again, please go back, go read that book, get that book for yourself. It is full of incredible stories, but that's what that book says about Patrick, the King himself, King leg hair. He pulled out his sword to kill Patrick and his, his arm froze as still as a statue and he couldn't do it. And he had to actually kneel before Patrick. And the story goes that Patrick actually prayed for him and he was healed And whenever that happened, the king converted to Christianity and he actually partnered with Patrick in his ministry and gave Patrick free reign over the country wherever he and he allowed him to preach wherever, whenever and however he wanted. And that was just one of the many miracles and encounters that Patrick had with the Lord and that that nation had with Jesus and the Holy Spirit because of Patrick's ministry. And uh, he was just an awesome man. It was because of that King partnering with him because of God giving him favor that he was able to have the ministry that he had. And of course, the Holy Spirit partnering with him. But uh, Patrick was also creative. And if you're a young minister or an old minister like me and or someone who wants to be in in ministry and you're or you want to be a missionary or whatever, you uh, Take Patrick in mind in the way he did things. He was so clever. He followed the example of Jesus of, of using everyday things to preach the gospel. Most of the time, if you see an image of Patrick, you're going to see a clover, a three-leaf clover. People talk about the four-leaf clover as like a lucky, a lucky thing. But the three-leaf clover is really what you find everywhere all over Ireland. And Patrick usually has a clover with him. And the reason for that was not because of some stupid luck thing that people think it's about. It was because Patrick would take these three leaf clovers that everyone knew about, everyone saw all over Ireland, and he would use the three-leaf clover to explain to the Irish people how God could be a trinity, how God could be three in one. Because one thing we do know about the Druids is that they worshipped many gods. They had a lot of them. So it was really hard for them to, first of all, understand that there was only one God, but also to understand that there were actually three. It was three in one, that he was a trinity. So he would take the the shamrock or the clover, and he would say, there, there are three leaves on one plant. And each of these leaves are they all join together as one, and so that's what he would use that for uh for evangelism purposes and so if you're going to evangelize people, you should use things that are common to them that are that are understandable, not use over spiritual over spiritualized things by the time Patrick died on March seventeenth four hundred and ninety three all of Ireland had heard the gospel, and almost all of it had converted to Christianity. And like I said, uh, the ones who didn't convert to Christianity during Patrick's lifetime did, for the most part, did. It became a Christian nation through the disciples of Patrick, and so he was an awesome, awesome man of God. And this is just uh, this is just one of many men and women of God that we're going to look at through this podcast. And I know this has just been the first episode, and I really appreciate you taking the time to to listen and uh, i'll get better at this uh, as I learn how how to do these podcasts in a more effective way and so if you have suggestions if you have people you want to look at, please let me know and i I love church history and uh, I love to I would love to learn about any new people and and do more of these podcasts as a way to for myself to learn but also to share with you. And so thank you so much for listening. Please come back next Thursday when the next episode will launch, which is going to be on Mr. John Welch, who was an incredible man of God, incredible prophet of God. And I know you're gonna be encouraged and inspired by him. And uh, hopefully implement some of these things that you're learning into your own life. And we can see revival hit our nation here in the United States. And also, back. let's take back Ireland. Let's take back Europe. Uh, these places that have been in decline, we want to see them back for Jesus. And a great way to do that is to learn from people in the past who carried revival in the power of God. So thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Many blessings.